church boys. So, uh, hello? Uh, wait, I was supposed Billy? to bring us in. <laughs> are we, I haven't done this in months. Are you yes, to, I'm here. Are, are you there? Yes. I was actually daydreaming. Well, I was you're night so, dreaming a little bit. I was, I'm tired. You're so professional. But we're, we are, I am very professional. We're back, though. The church boys are back. <laughs> Kind of half of us apparently because you were asleep. <laughs> I was I was actually thinking about Chick Fil A. So like I the, I was thinking about a chicken. I see that only listen, comes as a that always can only be used as an excuse if it's a rarity. Right? It is. I, we don't have Chick Fil A. Well, it rain. is in the city, but we don't have it. And the newly in the city, but where I am in Westchester County, we do not have any Chick Fil A <laughs> restaurants in, in Westchester County. We don't slum it at Chick Fil A. <laughs> I wish we did. I wish we did. <laughs> we just have Starbucks and McDonald's. Look. Yeah, we don't have we don't have it here in Podunkville either. The closest the closest Chick Fil A is like eighty miles away. Oh wow! How often are you driving that? I don't ever go there. It's in a college yeah. town that I don't care to be a part of. So, <sighs> well, so, so we're doing this again. We're back. Uh, apparently, so we're back. So Chick Fil A, go ahead. Sorry. I think we should start with Chick Fil A. No, as I was going to say, I think, <laughs> I think a, we need to is, talk about Chick Fil A. For all of you young broadcasters out there, <clears throat> most most shows aren't classy enough to produce their show <laughs> as they're on the air. <clears throat> Not here, though. We don't well, worry about being classy. I was going to be the one who started the show, and I always agree to start or come back from a break, and I'm never you don't always mentally agree. there. No, you rarely agree to, but then I tell you to, and then you don't do it. Right. It doesn't work. Right. It doesn't happen. Okay. Well, because I'm thinking about other things. I'm doing other things. Donuts. I was reading something and thinking about Chick-fil-A, and mm-hmm. but I'm thinking about Chick-fil-A because I, for some reason we can't... <laughs> poor Chick-fil-A cannot keep themselves out of the headlines. Break, no. They're I, feeding the poor. They're... Paying I know, people a lot of money an don't, hour. Don't you think there's a chance that this is this pays off for them? Like they're not they don't really doesn't really bother them. No, it, last time it paid off for them too. It's all the bad publicity. And for those who are living under rocks and don't know what's going on with Chick Fil A, um, there's all this drama again over Chick Fil A uh, because um, it's well actually the latest drama was was Jack. I only know him by his first name, the Twitter CEO there. What's yeah, his last Jack name? Yeah, Jack Dorsey. Is that right? Yeah, Jack, whatever, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey, He, he tweeted that he had eaten at Chick-fil-A um, a week or so ago, and all oh, the internet just went crazy. Know, oh, how could I this know. man eat at this bigoted chicken restaurant? And Soledad O'Brien got involved and, and tweeted, you know, that's just, an interesting thing to What an interesting choice to share. Yes, because you shouldn't eat that, and they hate gays, and so you shouldn't eat there in June because that's Gay Pride Month. But it's okay to eat at the place of the hates gays the other 11 months of the year. See, that's the thing. They don't have actual convictions about this. They just want to be pissy. Well, she, hers was a little bit more benign than some no, of the other. It was, it was sort no, of like, interesting choice. No, Soledad O'Brien, <laughs> Soledad O'Brien is an elitist, elitist snob twit. She's a ding-a-ling. You're acting like she's, she's, a, the, you're acting like she's a, a New York media personality. <laughs> maybe she should look into doing oh oh i see what you I, did there. listen i i don't know i i'm, I'm sure she's a very nice woman i'm sure um, she's i don't know all <laughs> i know is a, the tweet was annoying the tweet was I annoying have. because it's called it called someone out know, for you know, know boosting and getting some kind of discount eating at chick-fil-a and then everybody else is piling on how could you do this it's so I terrible i demand you immediately stop eating at chick-fil-a and it's like all right hold on a minute we did right. this with the target bathrooms too exactly. we did i mean 
I know. Like, I wait, know. these boycotts are nuts. They are. And I shouldn't say that about Salda. I don't know that. I'll, I'll, I'll use a word that I haven't used in a long time. Is I'm sure she's lovely. So. <laughs> Whenever she's you not use even, that word, wasn't it's she, never actually well, genuine. <laughs> wasn't she... At, <laughs> Wasn't she at CNN a long time for a long time? Where'd she yes, go? She yeah. runs some sort of like social media company or something now, doesn't she? she? Yeah, she's got some show. And Campbell Brown's over at Facebook, too. These people, they just they pop around into interesting positions. But the the bottom line is this whole thing, I, I actually have become not a fan of boycotts. I don't like oh, yeah, them. I don't, I don't either. I, I think they're I like ineffective. Either. Well, sometimes they're effective, and that's the dangerous part. But I think unless you've like done something horrible, I almost said murdered somebody. Unless Chick-fil-A has killed somebody. But, Murder. you know, and I'm not talking about corroded arteries. I'm saying like, literally some horrible crime. I just I don't understand why Dan Cathy, the head of you know Chick-fil-A, no. CEO of Chick-fil-A, why his comments from 2012 and their donations continue to be a reason why people won't eat there. Yeah, I, I, don't, don't, I don't. I, I mean, it's if you don't if you don't want to support and don't support me, don't want to eat there. I don't get the. I don't get the, and I never, see, here's the deal. And I've never gotten this, and I'll explain a little bit more later. But I don't get the, I understand why, because I don't like your viewpoint, my goal is to ruin your life. Right? Well, that's where we are now, right? I, I know, mean, but I've never understood. But see, and you know, I, you know, I don't know Don Wildman at all, you know, American Family Association. I don't know the Wildmans at all. Other than, I remember as a kid, my parents got the AFA newsletter. You know, they always come in the mail. And it was, and they would talk about these different boycotts of boycotting, you know, bookstores. Like, not Borders, but B. Dalton or something like that. And boycotting Kmart because they B. sold Dalton. pornography and all these different... But there was all these different boycotts that they would do. It's hard to and keep up. And I, as a kid, I just never got it. And, and mom and dad would say, you know, we just might not shop there just because they're doing some things that we don't agree with. But, you know, then I would read the literature. And I'm like, but why have this all out? I never fully understood. I mean, I, I I get it, but I don't get it. Like, I understand well, it used to, yeah. as a group yeah. say, standing together to say, listen, if you're going to continue to do this bad thing, we're not going to give you our money. And and I get, I get that. But rarely are boycotts done with any sort of, and this is going to sound weird, any sort of kindness involved. Like I could understand no. it. if you went to, if you if if you as a parent if if a store was selling garbage let's say let's say that suddenly Safeway and Safeway isn't doing this but suddenly Safeway groceries is selling hardcore pornography right and they're in their magazine stands and that's what they decide they're gonna do I could understand you going to them as a customer and say listen as long as you're selling that I'm just not I'm just not gonna shop here right and I get that but there's this also there's this added but that's not the boycott attitude the boycott attitude is you're gonna die and your life needs to be destroyed as long as you're doing something i disagree with and i just <clears throat> if the goal is to make well, a statement and hopefully drives a little bit of change that's one thing but if the goal is just to destroy somebody's life i don't know maybe if, well that's what this has become it's though two it's sides become of the destroy same coin business, i guess but destroy personalities destroy personas go after people None of that is none of that is healthy. And look, if it's porn or whatever, and there have been obviously Cosmo magazine, all these magazines right. where there's risque things going on, you know, and, and they've now been put behind blinders or they've been removed from stores. I understand those campaigns. I think the problem with Chick-fil-A and some of these other 
boycotts is that the goal is to diminish the existence of an opposing viewpoint. It's yeah. not just about the product or the service. It is about saying, right. yeah, these Christians who believe in traditional marriage are so evil that their perspective doesn't deserve to exist. They can't be in the marketplace yeah. and their chickens should go to hell. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, and I, I think it's you crazy. nailed something. Yeah, and I didn't process it correctly and I didn't elaborate correctly. I think, I think, a, I don't want to call it a boycott, Shocker. but I, <laughs> not, <laughs> surprise. Uh, those of you who are, you know, just listening for the first time or I've forgotten what kind of great show this is, Billy's the smart one here, which, well, frankly, which, which, which frankly says a lot. But but I was just thinking about it, <clears throat> and I, I don't want to call it a boycott, but I don't know what else to call I guess it, it would be, is that if you stop patronizing a business because of a product they've chosen to sell, that you're saying, listen, if this is the kind of stuff you're going to engage in in your business, then I don't want to be a part of your business. That's one thing. But if you're simply going after somebody because of what they believe, if you're boycotting them for that reason, I mean, you have you have every right to. But organizing a boycott like that seems to me a bit. Hmm. It's not crazy. done in good spirit it's, it's, for everyone. It's not Some done people in good it is. Right. Some people believe that it's really. E Some people believe that the organizations that Chick Fil A has funded are not good organizations and they're hurting society, and they really believe that. And so. I can understand. I think we have this like this annoying and I, and I think I wrote it was the blaze that I wrote this op ed thing about this crisis of conviction that we no longer respect other people's convictions. Even if right. we don't agree with them, we just have to hate the convictions and right. go after them and, and attack them. And it just doesn't seem healthy. It doesn't no, seem like not. that's a good we should be able to say, you know what? And listen, coming to New York as somebody who believes totally differently from almost everybody in New York and being yeah. in college here and interacting with people, having friends who were very different. I learned that I can, wow, I really don't have to like that person's ideas. I can think that they're wrong on faith, on life, on whatever other issue, but I can I don't have to hate them because of it. I can actually be friends. And some of those people read at my wedding. Some of those people right. were, were have been close with us. And that has been, you know, that's been a good experience for me. I, I And I haven't changed what I think because of it. You right. know, it hasn't changed my views, but... But we're not even there anymore. I feel yeah. like a lot of us are just completely off the Richter scale crazy. Well, and it's been thoroughly diminished. And, you know, I used to say to friends, and I still believe this to an extent, <clears throat> living on the East Coast for 12 years gave me a good perspective. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, helped me at least develop a better, more healthy perspective of how the world works. Because <clears throat> I grew up on the West Coast. And on the West Coast, you have differences with people. You go out to coffee, you talk about your differences, but nobody just hates each other. I mean, that was just, you know, that was always how it was. Then I moved to D.C., and if you look at somebody wrong, they'll rip your throat out. I mean, like doing the whole roadhouse oh, yeah. thing where the, suddenly your throat is actually on the ground, you know. And it's, <laughs> it was from the from the mid-Atlantic up, from about Washington, D.C., maybe northern, maybe about Fredericksburg, oh, yeah. Virginia, north all the way to, you know, to, to Boston. You get north of Boston, oh, yeah. you know, then you start getting some real people again up in Maine and things. But you go Boston to, to D.C., and there's just this this acerbic nastiness that if you dare to disagree, you know, you're evil and your life should be ended and your your children and your children's children should be executed. I mean, that's... but. What has well, disappointed some of the me. most liberal people are completely, you know, by their own definition, are completely intolerant. And yeah. it that has been something that I have not gotten used to because when it happens... I find myself saying, okay, 
you look at me, you think I'm this conserv this conservative person who's not open to anything, who doesn't agree, you know, with anything, only believes what I believe, but yet I'm open to you and I'm friendly to you right. and I'm not judging you and you are judging me and acting yeah. like I'm a crazy person and an idiot because I believe differently than you do. But I, but That's I think not, that I don't get the that. nature of the two coasts is different. Unfortunately, they're growing closer together because the West Coast is getting more acerbic, but I mean, I've even I even saw it in the in conservatives that I dealt with, the Republicans and conservatives that I dealt with. It's like you're just you're just nasty, and so I moved well, back. Yeah, I moved, DC is DC, yeah. right? And I that's mean. and again, that's DC too. But I moved back out here, and I used to be able to go to Seattle and just hang out with friends, you know, in Seattle, and they would be friendly, and we could disagree, but we'd still be friendly, and we'd still be friends. But it's gotten even in. Is it the Seattle? It's gotten nasty. I mean, look at what's going on in Seattle. Seattle, that's another story for another topic for another time. Seattle's gone nuts. Well, I mean, do they have Chick-fil-A in Seattle? Uh, I think they might have some. I don't I don't know. I just see I don't spend a whole ton of time there anymore. I mean, we go there a couple times a year, I guess, but we're on we're on the east side, so Ugh, well, God's I don't know. This country. whole thing, I just think, listen, but, you know, and by the way, there are lots of gay people who eat at Chick-fil-A and, mm-hmm. and who were defending Chick-fil-A in this in this past week. Right. And there are employees. And I've heard there are even people who who have bought into the franchise. Who, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> who are gay. So Chick-fil-A. I don't think it's freaking fast food, it is. people. It's, and on. it's chicken. It's really good fast food. Too. Except really every time good. I'm traveling on oh, a Sunday, so I'm so annoyed because I go I like run. Yeah. I waddle rather yeah. up to the window, and there's a gate because they're closed on Sundays. Yeah. And we had one just down and the road from us Sunday. when we lived in Virginia. There was one just down the road, and we ate there all the time. And and every once in a while, when we'd be out on Shocker. a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> we'd be out on a. Well, my wife is nuts for Chick Fil A more than me. Right? I enjoy it. My wife is crazy. Oh, when I thought when Chick-fil-A. you said we, you meant yourself in the plural. I'm no. sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> but we'd go. We'd, and every once in a while, we'd forget. We'd be out doing running errands Sunday afternoon. You know. Let's go get some Chick Fil A and go. It's ah oh, crap! I forgot it was Sunday, but it was. But Skipping it was church and forgetting it's Sunday. Right. Look at you. But I can tell. I know that you. You know, we were talking about whether things were healthier or not earlier and a healthy lifestyle. And Chick Fil A doesn't really compete with that. I can. I was just noting that you look like you're quite healthy. I can tell by that chin you've added there. So you look <laughs> oh, like yeah. you're, you're doing. I um. Doing I'm quite on well. the I'm I'm doing a winter body thing for the summer right now. <laughs> doing the hibernation thing. Are you storing stuff? Are you getting sleepy? <laughs> That's what's happening. That is what's happening. I honestly, yes, that I I think I'm I've just decided I'm gonna eat my way through the summer. So the, <laughs> the treadmill's back to being a, a clothes rack again. Oh the treadmill's gone. I have the Peloton now, which wait, I Wait, wait, what's the Peloton again? It. I forget. It's the cycling thing. Oh, where you yeah. like you buy into it, you pay like thirty nine dollars a month, and you get cycling classes at your house. Gotcha. Oh, and so when you I was those... using it like five times a week because you used the to... last three weeks I was. You used to put mm-hmm. up on Facebook like I came in, you know, one hundred and seventy fifth, yeah, or whatever. I was right? doing good. I was doing that was long. on the Peloton thing. See, I thought that was it a was. I thought that was a running thing. I didn't know it was a biking thing when you were posting. Well, they have those. a they have a treadmill too, but I'm not spending four thousand dollars. Well, treadmill. and plus the they bike... can't, they can't rank you that. It's impossible to how far down they would have to rank you if it was the oh, running thing. Listen, I, I love the Peloton. I was doing really well with it. I lost a bunch of weight, and then I had to travel. Whenever I have to travel, I yeah. just eat. I love. I feel like, when, you know when you go on vacation and you feel like you can just keep eating? Yeah. Well, have yeah, you ever have the, the vacation it's, eats? I, it's just like I'm good. I, I the vacation eats. Well, plus it's different kinds of foods and things, right? But the great thing about yeah. work travel eats is that you get a ton of good food, 
you're eating at places you don't normally get to eat and it's on somebody else's dime. You know, that's what, when I travel, I, I gain it. weight. And I've been traveling a bit lately, and I feel like I've probably gained like five no, pounds. No, no, you don't I look like you've gained lose like hundred. You, you don't pounds. look like you, you don't look like you've gained any weight at all. <laughs> but, you know, Chris, um, I'm just you saying really you don't look like. I'm just saying you didn't look like you've lost, gained any weight. Um, no, this is your sarcasm. It's it's like lovely. That person is lovely. <laughs> you look thin. <laughs> but so I I guess I was going to ask you. Do you go when you go when you travel for work? Does and we'll talk about your new you, since since the last time we recorded, you've started a new gig, and we'll get into that after we start the show. <laughs> we record so infrequently that every time we record again, I have a you've new got job. a new job. I think that's about how it works. That or you're so in, incredibly impossible to employ. Uh, it could be either. Yeah. Um, but when you travel for your new job, does work pick up the tab on your meals? Yeah, they do. They do. I tend to, um, you know, sometimes it's like you eat two really bad meals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like big a day. and bad. But they do. They pick up the tab. That's nice. Yeah. But like really unhealthy. Well, that's good I stuff. I don't know. Like, well, you go out with people too, yeah. and and sometimes you get whatever they're getting, and you it's come like ac- I don't know. You come across to me as someone who, who really likes to take advantage of companies buying your <laughs> lunches. So- I don't know so if you've dumb. ever worked with somebody like that before, but I certainly well, I, have. I, I used to work with somebody who owes me a steak dinner because Donald Trump became president. Oh, and we have right. another bet too, right? Don't we? We're going to make that bet you later. Do. We will make that bet you later. Do. All right, let's let's start this stupid show anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, so dumb, a stupid show. Billy Hallowell and Chris oh. Field, the Church Boys, from the sublime to the ridiculous. I hate these guys. <laughs> I hate them too. I do too. I mean, it's it's really no wonder. I mean, the the nice thing is about having for about having been gone so long. The nice thing is that um. Nobody really missed us, so that's that's the good news. We haven't really let anybody down. Well, maybe Pedro. I think there were. I actually think there were a few people who yeah. missed us. It's weird. I think we had like two people who missed us. Really? At least Pedro. Pedro is one of them. Pedro, obviously. actually. Pa- Pamela. Yeah. You know, I. If you look at if you look at Pedro, you might almost count him as as two people. But no, I actually, he's not. lost. He's done a lot of weight loss too, hasn't he? He's been running know, and exercising. He honestly, does a lot of exercise. Like, you're like my wife's grandmother who once told me that before <laughs> Easter. I don't know if you remember this. Um, we And I miss Nana. She passed away last year. But she she said to me one Easter weekend, I saw her on Thursday night. Or no, I saw her on Friday night. And we were leaving Saturday for Sunday. And we came back Sunday night. Um, and then, so I saw her. We talked. And then Sunday came. And we arrived back about 36 hours after I saw her last. And she's like, oh. Did you gain weight? And I was like, I don't know. I was gone a day and a half. And she's like, it shows. And then she proceeded to tell me that she has, quote, eyes like a visual scale. So, you know, that's like you. You've got eyes like a visual scale. Well, it's not like you I'm... always count on Nana for some good ones. It's good not like I'm skinny either. But... Well, so, yeah, wait, is this the Nana? Don't know, this, but... is, this is the Nana that was part of the mob. Is that right? In the mafia? <laughs> you... 
No, this is the. You were telling me well, about yeah, it. You our were telling joke, me. our joke about yes, it was joke. A joke that my case, wife had. Where this isn't on the, where this this show isn't being video recorded, but if it had been, you'd have you would have seen the scary air quotes they put around <laughs> a joke. Wink, wink. Anna was the was the best. Yeah, she was the best. She was ninety. She was going to be ninety two. She was ninety one. She died last year, and she was completely healthy beforehand. Right. And it was a shock. But we loved. We lived with Nana for five years in in an apartment in her house, and right. it was like it was great because we got to see her yeah. all the time, and we had our first kid there. And she would always tell me when I gained weight, so it was good because. And now I have you to do that. That's right. So you can just call me Nana. So thank you. It, it's that, pa- leave Pedro alone. I know Pedro's a good man. Did you? In fact, he just didn't. They just have a happy anniversary. An anniversary. I don't. I think I've been that really they did. bad with Facebook. Mister and Mrs. Pedro, happy anniversary uh, to you. So there. Now look at him trying this, to flutter them this up. This Nana, after. this Nana of yours. This is this the same one that you were talking about the about the bodies in the basement. There actually was no basement. So look at this. You making up stories. I'm, okay, you the, making the up body, stories. The bodies under well, the Well, you know, everyone's words. Italian on both sides of my family, Which right? Which means, okay. So, but so yet then, I've yes. never heard of any... So you, I've yes. never heard of any mob ties. There were, I haven't. No one would well, that's tell conv- me. That's convenient, right? Isn't that the way it always works? <laughs> I never heard about any mob ties. I don't know. Uh, well, if either one of us were going to be in the mob, I think we all know who that would be, and it would not be me. <laughs> it's I'm not, not confident me. enough. Um, so we were gonna, oh, so where have we been? Billy, you Um, indicated that perhaps you're on your third job since the last time we recorded. Why don't, Um, and and we are, and we are glad, we are glad to be back. I want you to tell people about your job and we will give some more details about where we've been and what's been going on and, um, just kind of clear the air on some things. And I, we're going to have to check each other on what we can say and not say right about because yeah, we don't situation. want the mob coming after us um or or <laughs> one or two no, other, you know, or you one or two yes or one or two other people <laughs> that maybe i'd like to name so, but shan't so why don't you go ahead and tell I, about your your new job well so my new job i'm i'm i'll give you the position title which you know it's 2018 they mean nothing these titles but it's director of communication and content over at PureFlix Digital, which, which means, um, which is so PureFlix. For those who don't know, it's a family-friendly and and faith-based streaming service, um, and you can go to PureFlix.com to check it out. But you get the first month free, and it's basically thousands. I think we have nine thousand titles now: TV shows, movies that are things that are safe for your family. There's kids' titles and all that. I'm. And I'm working on the insider blog that we have and working on some other concepts and video concepts. And it's a lot of fun. It's it's totally different from anything else, even though, you know, Faithwire was lighter be- when I was working at Faithwire. It was lighter news in terms of, I mean, we did cover shootings and things that happened, right. but I just got burned out. I got yeah. burned out from, I mean, I could have kept doing it. I, right. I could have done it forever, but I was tired. I was tired of well, the and day it to day. And it, and it wasn't anything about Faithwire that you were tired no, of. No, It was just like, it was this, the grind Faithwire. of that style of job. You've been doing that for a while. So yes, you've like started six to seven things a day. Right. Yeah, so you've started this, this new job, and it's in a different industry, and it's doing different things, and that's fun. Um, what are some of the things you've that you have been doing. I mean, you've, you've, I know you've been recording some shows. You've been doing a little bit of your own little Billy Hallowell podcast thing. The Billy, uh, yeah. the, the Billy Hallowell get together or something. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. So there's a podcast that we're doing and we've got a lot of great content. I think that people that listen to our show would probably like we, we do. If you go to insider.pureflix.com, you can read some of the content. We've got Bible verse lists, you know, for so Father's wait, Day. So we you said we, I've it. listened to that some. Is it, is there, is, are you doing royal we now? Or is it some, someone else <laughs> meant, on there? When I said we, I meant the blog. Uh, oh, there are a couple oh, of I, us I who you're... work on the blog. But um, for, for the podcast, it's basically interviews, the same interviews I used to do over at Faithwire and right. stuff. They're, That's they're okay. in podcast form. We write them up. And interestingly, and Chris knows this because he has to deal with it, um, these these stories based on our, on the podcast are over on The Blaze now. So I am kind of back at The Blaze a little bit, sort of, weirdly. Chris, if you, you can't see this, he's actually tipping over in his chair and, and pretending to snore. I'm assuming there's some sort of sleep apnea issue happening, but I don't know. So, all but, right. So, but so yeah. So there's a lot of. Weird so you do the blog thing. Fun. You've done the podcasting thing, like the the interview show that you do, the Billy Hallowell get together interview. We have so, our we have our talk show, the Pure Talk talk show, which right. That's the other thing. It's on you Sunday talk about. nights. Sunday nights at seven thirty on Facebook on the Pure Flix Facebook live page, and that is sit down interviews. We've had some really fun people on the show, actors, uh, Missy Robertson. Um, I don't know if I'm even supposed to say that, but Missy Robertson will be um, coming in and co-hosting the next series of episodes coming up. Um, and it's with kind us. of a and panel kind of thing too, right? I mean, don't you get it kind of a, sometimes get a group of people together and do this? Yes. So the yes, some of the shows have been sit-down interviews with actors, um, but but a lot of them have also been panel discussions, and so it might be four or five people sitting down and debating a topic uh, from a Christian perspective. People who might not necessarily agree. On that topic. So we'll be tackling some really interesting ones um, coming up here, which I'm excited about. We have a Father's Day episode and then the 24th of June, we will start diving into the next set of, uh, of shows, which are going to be really, really interesting. Right. Fun, I think. So yeah. the, 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 the Father's Day uh, little episode interview thing that you're doing, what's the guy's name who's coming on? Um, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> are you kidding? I, I'm giving, I say, I, I set it. this up for you, for you to, so you could talk. I told you, I, you know, we're going to talk about your new job and you're hosting this show of pure talk. You're supposed to have the name at the tip of your tongue. You're not supposed to pull a field and then forget the name. You're the one who's good you know, at names. Like I'm the one who you yeah. always have to remind me. You'll send me. Here's no, I do know. Hold on. Okay, so I, I had an epiphany, and I'm remembering. Lightning I know the, the group, just struck the my brain. Is a, is Adopt Together, which is a okay. great organization, um, right. and we have worked with them. And the person is the founder and the CEO. His name is Hank Fortiner. Fortiner, I believe I'm saying his last name right. Um, and Hank is great. He's got a really interesting story. But I just had I had this brain fart when you asked me because I feel like we're we're producing, and I. I won't say much about this yet because it's not public, but we're working on a project and, um, you know, I've had all these other people's names in my head you know how it is. I can, I, I, I can fit maybe three names in my head before I'm done. You're usually so, really good at names. I'm the one who gets rightly yeah. roundly rot, ridiculed because you're the Bill, one who is very round. I know. <laughs> well, Billy, yes. And you'll send me a, a message about, oh, I'm going to be interviewing so-and-so. And I go, who is that? It's like, we interviewed them six months ago. Don't you remember having a half hour conversation with <laughs> they, them? They've I don't been know. on our show. You're like, I <laughs> like have no idea twice. I don't know who that is. You you're, read their book. You As recommended say, their book to me. <laughs> you're a disaster. Um, anyway. but yeah, no. So, so it's been good. It's been, I've really liked working at pure Flix. I'm learning a lot. I like the entertain, the Christian entertainment realm is really interesting. And 
I I would love to, you know, I like keeping up the writing. It's been fun yeah. to do that, but it's nice to have that change of pace of not I'm churning out a lot of other work, but it's not yeah. seven stories a day, and that's nice. Yeah, have you been able to <clears throat> parlay your job and this position into maybe some more movie roles? Well, I've been working my contacts and I've <laughs> Please tell me you're <laughs> Poor in a movie. Sam Sorbo. Sam Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo's wife. I texted her um, today because I was we, we had done an interview with her and I was oh, yeah. I heard that they're working on a new movie. I was like, are there any small roles I could audition for? And she sent back a face of roaring laughter. That's all I got back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, and I was like, she, and I was like, I'm serious. And I, I didn't get a response, but, um, you know, so no, I have actually, well, I, God's not dead. Actually, no, this is a lot. I was oh, in God's right. not dead. Oh, so the latest God's not dead film. I played my, I played a myself, I guess. I, I was fun. So this was, was like this a, was a, this 40 was a, second this was a, so this is a, a movie. This was God's Not Dead three. You know, <laughs> on the ocean front with whales. I mean, what's the? What was your role? You're playing yourself. What does that mean when you say you're Actually, playing yourself? So, you're playing a journalist, so or you're playing what? Janine Janine Pirro. It was a scene where I was on Fox News on Janine Pirro's show, and she was oh, there too. Oh, and the and woman who's the woman who wants to be Attorney General. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, we had a very nice time. And uh so I, I that was and that was fun because it was a speaking role and there were some lines and uh Dana Lash was actually also in the movie, which I did not realize till after. But, but um but yeah, that was cool. So other than that, no, okay. although I might actually be helping produce a movie, which will be fun. I've never done that. Well, oh, I really? kinda did it before, you, but not you might help produce a movie. Yes, this sounds I'm, like I might. This sounds like a really bad idea. Who at Pureflix might I talk to? Just to oh, it's steer not a Pureflix film. It's an out, it's outside of the Pureflix realm. Oh, so, oh, really? Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. So, I mean, oh, I see. Not, I see. I know what happened. Me. I know what happened. Pureflix hired you out to some other movie house to bring them down. <laughs> Take out the competition. <laughs> yeah, hire oh, Billy. I, He's I do really like great. <laughs> You're terrible. I like the change of pace. Good. I don't. I Good. do. I love Faithwire, and I still read, and I I miss the team there and everything. And I some of the stories that we're doing, I'm syndicating over there too. So yeah, you know, I'm still having a presence and talking with them. And but it's nice to be out of that day to day. I mean, yeah. you're in that day to day still. Still, yeah. I mean, and you don't mind it though. You like it. I feel like I just got burned out. So are you not like I don't want to work. I got burned out in terms of like I want to do something different. Right. It's not. Yeah. It wasn't even a matter of not being able to do it anymore. It's like I just you just want to do something different. I get that. Anybody anybody gets that. Has been doing whatever they're doing for a long time. It's like every once in a while you think maybe I'd like to do something else. I don't know. So um, I, I, there's so, so many things I we want talk to about bring. why we're why we were gone for so long. Yeah, you By were now everyone's Billy. tuning out because they're like, we don't care. We just want to hear you make fun of Kim Jong Un. Okay, I mean, that's so all they want to hear. We do but, need to. We, we need to. We should explain. share a little bit why we were gone. So, for the last Fat camp, we were at Fat camp. Nine. I was just gonna say Billy was institutionalized the last nine months, <laughs> but you beat me to it with the Fat camp thing. So, there's there was some. God, you got to make sure I don't say anything I shouldn't say, which is you like, will say which, but here's you the deal. That's just something that you've. I mean, since we started this podcast, that's been your job, Chris. I'm just here to make sure you don't say something that you shouldn't say. So for the last several months, we've been dealing with ownership of the show. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Yep. And 
when we were at the Blaze doing the show together at the Blaze, it was very well received. We were kicking, kicking butt and taking names. We were the number one. We were the number one pure podcast on Blaze Radio Network, right? Yeah, definitely outside of Glenn and his show and the personality. Glenn, there, I think we Glenn, were. I think Glenn we, Doc, like Glenn Doc and Mike. The, the ones that we were, were always broad- in the top five. We were always sure. in the top five, and we were always the number one podcast only show. When I say pure podcast, I mean podcast only. Like the other shows had a radio presence. They had a radio presence, and so they would most of the time be just. <laughs> Nobody was going to give us that. Let's be no, honest. No, no, we were never going to get that. And we weren't, I mean, we didn't really push for that. I mean, we talked about yeah. it some. We asked about it, like, right. what would it take, but we're, we didn't push that. Was it something we were interested in? No. Of course, it was something we were interested in. But it wasn't something we were pushing. <clears throat> but of all the shows on the network, and at one time there were, what, 25, 30 of them? Of all the yeah. podcasts on the Blaze Radio Network, five five were radio broadcasts, right? Morning Blaze, uh, Glenn's Show. So, so Doc Thompson, Glenn's Show, Pat and Stu, Michael Palka, and... Chris Salcedo? Was no, that another one? Well, Chris Salcedo, I wasn't thinking of Mike. I was thinking of Chris Salcedo and and Buck Sexton. It's Buck Sexton back in the day. Oh yes. So yeah, those five Buck, shows those five shows would usually beat us in podcast listens, right? Most weeks. There were some weeks that we beat a couple of those shows. We never beat Glenn, certainly. I don't think we ever beat Pat and Stu. Maybe once. Maybe. I don't even know. I can't give any numbers. The, the, Candace, Cam- the Candace Cameron interview might have. I don't remember it if might that have. was our show, though. I don't right. remember. It had like 70,000 listens. But. Oh, yeah, that was us. That was ours. So we did. So we had really good, really great numbers. And they loved us. We loved being on the Blaze Radio Network. This is nothing against the Blaze Radio Network um, at all. I mean, right? I mean, there's no hard. There's certainly no hard feelings. No, this no. This isn't that when at you, all. So... It, what got complicated was I left the blaze right. and went to um, Deseret News. And in the process of that, you know, we continued doing the show here or there, yeah. but we weren't really sure who owned the and show. And we were still doing we it pretty regularly. Been... We were still doing it pretty regularly yeah. when you were at Deseret. Deseret, what? Right. Deseret, Ray, Rut, Ray. Deseret, what, what do you think? It's like a prom It's not. De- no, Deseret. Deseret. Deseret, Deseret. Okay, so <laughs> we were... <laughs> You were there. You were working for the Mormons, and I was working for the Mormon. And <laughs> it's and we still. I mean, I still am. I'm still working for Glenn. I love Glenn. And listen, it's this is nothing about Glenn either. Like you still love Glenn. I have a great relationship with Glenn. This has nothing to do with that at all. This has nothing Not to all. do with liking anybody or disliking anybody at the Blaze. But you left, it's and a you took of the job. Who jo- owns it? Right. That, so you, you went know, to Deseret. Right. And so then you're broadcasting, and so half the show is me, and half the show is you. And we never discussed with anybody who owns the show. We always just assumed that we did, right? I mean, that's always yes. that's always what we. And stop me if I should stop. So we always assumed we just own the show, and that's always how we had operated. That was always the understanding that we and other people that we worked with had. And then I got into a position, not a, not a bad position, but some there were some staffing changes that happened at the Blaze. And when I took a new position at the Blaze and some things were restructured and it was good for me to do, it was good for me to sign this. New, I had to sign a new contract, which is fine because you, you move up in the company and move in different places in the company. You sign new contracts and I'm fine with that. Don't have an issue with that. Part of my new contract talked about ownership of things that we did, things that we do as, as staffers. 
And so I had some questions about that and you had questions about it because you were doing books and wanted to quote from the quote from our show for your books. And so there's questions about ownership. And so for a long time, we stopped for the most part, stopped. We did a couple, we did one or two shows in the last, in the last year, we've done a couple shows, but we really held back because we didn't know who owned the show. And we thought we're not going to keep doing this show if it's not our show, because it's not, we, we have never, if anything, this show has cost you and me money, right? Cause I, right, cause exactly. we, we pay for a website, we pay for other things. We bought all of our own equipment. Nobody has ever done any advertising for this show ever. Right. We were, we or were the, given or given any money toward it, which is fine because right. we created that's it fine. for fun and right. Absolutely. You know, but, but we didn't want, you know, to fill in some blanks. We did. Right. I didn't want to continue doing the show if I wasn't sure who owned it. And right. so we had yeah. a really great conversation. We started a process with, with the blaze of yeah. trying to figure out who owns the show and yeah. let's talk this through because it's not, it wasn't a show that they were really using anymore because it wasn't being produced and it was something we still wanted to do. But you know, I didn't want to be in a position of doing interviews on the show that I want to use in a book or something. And I have to kind of get permission, right. which the blaze was great about. They gave me permission for the other two books that I wrote and it was fine. But, you know, we were trying to kind of cross our T's and dot our I's and, and figure that out because we had poured a lot into it. Right. And so it was sort of like, do we need to start fresh with something else? And we were or never can getting, we continue. Right. And we were never getting the answer we were wanting to get, which is, yes, it's your show. Right. And so we were not doing the show. And again, and the reason we point out is not just simply to brag. The reason we're pointing out that we were the number one show uh, that was podcast only by far and away the number one show podcast only there were some other shows that would surge and come down but we had a steady a steady following and that's all listen that's not me and billy that's you people everybody who's listening that's you we didn't do that you did that and so we're grateful for that but not one dime of money was put into this show by anybody but you and me exactly right? and the and that's not that's not a dig on the blaze it wasn't their show no, to we promote. Didn't, we had never asked for we any didn't money, want really, any we did all. we there was no advertisements for us on Social media. Well, we did get some tweets, right? Yes, we did. We, we did. did. We did get a few tweets, but there was no. There was never any advertising for us on the network. There was not advertising for us on the website or anywhere. They were. They were able well, to. They were able to get us into this too, iTunes. That, but go ahead. Well, one more thing that people might remember is that when we would do shows, we would package them into a story on the Blaze, right? So yeah, yeah. there was a content aspect of this that the shows became stories, and yep. so. That complicates things too, right? Because once the show becomes a story, then the story is, that is theirs. You know, yeah. Right. The story is definitely theirs because I was being paid by the Blaze to write those stories, right? So yep. um, that's where things got kind of interesting. Yeah. But but we implement, we, I guess, ignited a conversation. We had a really good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. We, we came to a conclusion that we, this is our show and the future episodes of this will be our show. Yep. Um, and, and, and we say thank you to the Blaze for that. I don't think yes. I don't think we can say I mean we and we we took off the stinger you know that we were on the Blaze Radio Network a long time ago right cuz remember the first couple of sh shows we ever did that stinger was at the beginning of the, wasn't at the beginning of the show and then we said to the to the network hey listen if you want to include us on your network you're welcome to it's our show but you're welcome to include us on the network and we'll put a stinger on there and you guys can have advertising dollars because we're letting you use it and you can you can count our downloads you know, for, for company dollars. And, and that was purely so that that was purely because we had no use for the number of downloads other than bragging rights. 
but they could use it to sell advertising. So, okay, you guys can count yeah. the downloads because as part of the Blaze Radio Network, not because you own the show, but because we're willing to contribute our download count to your total bottom line. Pure, pure and, and simple. That's all fun. it was. That's why I wanted to do it again. So, we, so we, we enjoy doing the show. We absolutely love it. We're very thankful now that we're back to where we, we, we own the show. It is our show. We have, there's no question about that. We can do whatever the heck we want, um, with obviously within reason. But it's our show. So this bumper music has always been ours, and it will always be ours. The things that we do are ours, and they will always be ours. And so now we're back, and hopefully we're going to be able to record way more frequently. I would love to do yeah. it every day if we had the time. We just simply don't have the time. But getting back to a, a weekly thing should be is something we're shooting for. And whether that's going to happen starting now or if it's going to be happening starting in the next couple months, we don't know exactly. But we are back to owning the show, and it's ours, and we are very thankful for that. And most of, besides thanking the Blaze and thanking people who you know helped us out, thank you to the listeners because you wanted this show, you liked this show, for whatever reason. We we really still haven't figured out exactly why. <laughs> Such a stupid show. It really is, but we have fun, and I think that's you know I think part of what people like about this show is that we're just freaking honest, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I think, too, and there were a lot of people who kept saying, where are you guys? Why aren't you back? Yeah. And, you know, we couldn't at the moment really expl explain it. But this is how these things work. You want to know who owns it. You want to yeah. figure it out because nobody wants to have a weird situation where something yeah. happens and you don't know who who has the rights to it. And, you know, so there you go. I mean, I think that I think that it worked out really nicely. And I'm super excited about being back despite having to see your ugly face. I know. And that's the funny thing is that and what people don't know about so Billy and I are very very good friends. He's if not my best friend, one of my best friends. I know we might actually be best friends, which is terrifying. It really is. And the the funny thing is, how much time have we spent together in person? Just, not a lot. Just a couple a few weeks total. I mean, like yeah. we'll go to whenever I'm in New York, we'll go to dinner. You know, uh we've been worked in the office together, so you're sitting there working with yeah. each other, but we're not necessarily talking and so but we talk on this show and that's the thing is we communicate and the fact is people billy calls me every day at least once a day every at 6 a.m your time every every day i, I can't do. get away i do and i, I run get away. I, and if i don't chris is like where are you billy so what's I going on something wrong so i figure listen if i'm gonna have to talk to this schmo we might as well record it our but conversations are very good. We actually have can really we, good conversations. Can we like do an awkward transition? Yeah, let me find. Can we do just, an awkward? Transition? Yes, I have to get back to. Oh, Bye. by the way, th we own this as well. So let me find it real quick. Oh, I gotta <laughs> switch the page here. Which one was the awkward transition? I gotta find it. It was the twinkle. I know, but I got a couple twinkles. Good. Big surprise. I feel, like a you, I feel like you've lost your edge. You don't even know what our music is anymore. This does that work? There it is. Or is it this one? There it is. No, that was it. The first one? No, I, I think it was the first one. Okay. Let me fix that. Here we go. And so we, we've transition. talked about we've talked about Chick-fil-A and your transition, but now we've got to, I mean, not your transition. We've talked about Chick-fil-A and we've also <laughs> talked about um, <laughs> why we, you know, we're gone for so long. But if, if we're going to actually get into our normal show now, I think we've got to talk. Do we want to talk about North Korea or the border first? Maybe You'd the border. It's up to you. It's flip a coin. I don't really care. 
Let's talk about the border because okay. I feel like you and I might have different views on this. This whole children being separated at the border thing. I don't know. I don't, we haven't really actually talked a lot about it. Yeah. Um, but th- this this challenge, right, of needing to defend the border and needing to uphold the laws, but of having children and families be separated because of a decision to prosecute the parents who have come illegally to this country. This is not going over very well with no. people on either side of the aisle, actually. Well, and it's not. Well, where are you, Chris? So it is not a new policy. First right. of all, this is this has been part of the law for a long time. It's just that there's they something, it, though? there's something called discretion. And so it has been enforced, but not to this extent. And the White House said, what was it back in April, March, that they were really going to start enforcing this, that they were really going to push this. It's like it's not illegal. It's not necessarily immoral, though I've heard some people say that it is. But the law provides for it. If you you're going to be prosecuted now, apparently criminally, at least to a degree, if you're caught crossing the border illegally. And here's here's the deal. You are not entitled to be here. Period. You're not entitled to be here. If you are an illegal alien, you're not entitled to be here. That doesn't mean I don't appreciate your struggle. That doesn't mean that we as Americans don't appreciate your struggle. That doesn't mean that we don't feel bad for the situation you've come from. But understand, when you cross the border illegally, you're claiming an entitlement that you don't have. And so understand there are repercussions for when you break the law. And part of the repercussions for when you break the law is, as it is written in the law, parents and children get separated for the processing of the criminal act. That doesn't mean that they're forever separated. They get brought back together after a week, two weeks, three weeks, couple months, but the families do come back together for the most part. And so I understand, listen, I get it. It's, it's heartbreaking. And I don't know that I agree with the idea of, you know what, we're going to really push this and we're going to use the separation from children as a deterrent. I don't know that I agree with that. That's not, that's not, I, I wouldn't have done it for that reason. I'd have done it for, I don't know if I'd have done it. The, the increase well, in I've separating children. Well, I've kind of crossed over a little bit. I mean, I, I tried to avoid having an opinion on this for a while because it was just, you know, how much is this happening? But now that the government is ad- admitting that it's up to, it's like 1,900 children in the last two months, I think we have to have a conversation about yeah, it because, absolutely. you know, the, where well, the sticking point for me is that these are kids now. And I get it. I get the government's perspective of we need to set an example this, you know, we need to make sure that when we have a policy that scares other people into not coming. But I think the problem here is that a lot of these people are not just people who are fleeing from Mexico to the U.S. because they want a better life. A lot of these people are desperate. Yeah. And that doesn't make it OK to break the law, but they're desperate. They've gone through trauma. Their kids have gone through trauma. And I'm not convinced that separating kids from their parents after that trauma is a beneficial thing for anybody. So, it's, it feels wrong. And, and, I, and I understand having it feel that way. And I'm not saying that it's the right avenue. I'm not saying it's the I, I don't I don't want to call it the wrong avenue, but I don't want to say it's the right one. I don't know that there, there's another way. But, but it, know, we so love I to guess, walk around the world, but we love to go around the world. And this is and this is in some ways what I do love about our country and and be the moral authority and try to help people. And we don't always make the right decisions. God knows that when they when we go other places to try to do that. But when it comes to refugees under this administration, it seems like we don't really care. Suddenly it's like, oh, now and I get it. It's complicated. But this has been a pretty anti-refugee you know, administration overall. And. 
that's fine legally speaking, but I don't. I think there is a moral problem there. I'm not going to sit there and call people immoral or say, but I don't. I feel if I had to say whether I thought this policy with the children was more right or wrong, I'd have to say wrong. And 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 I can uh, I can appreciate that point of view. Here's where, here's I guess here's here's the question I, because I like to look at things from a logical standpoint, right? Not from a heartless standpoint, but from a logical standpoint, and that is. If a if a if a family comes across, let's say that it's a mom and dad and two kids, two young kids, say ages seven and nine. If that family comes across illegally, and the and they get caught and arrested, and the parents get thrown have to be taken to prison and processed as adult criminals, if that's what's happening, what should happen to the children in that case? I don't know what the I don't know what the alternative is. If you are going to treat illegal aliens as criminals, as the law allows, what do you do with the children of parents, of, of adults, who are caught coming across illegally and are treated as criminals? What do you do? I don't know. Is the I, answer to I, not also, treat the adults as criminals? I don't know. I, I don't know. Do we need another designation? Do we need to separate more? Yes, they're all technically technically illegal, you know, do we need to separate circumstance more? Does there need to be the government's very bad at doing this, uh, of looking at circumstance and actually treating people differently based on why they are coming and what is actually going on? Right, but eventually I mean, you have I'm, to have lines drawn somewhere. So it's you it's, do. If but, you sneak across between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., you're treated one way. Is it, is it that? Is it if you come across and, you're, and you you're have a coming. criminal background? You, know, you have a criminal well, background because the fact is. If if someone in in America commits a crime, they will be separated from their children. Period. Yeah, but this this is different though. The, look look, if any of us were in one of these countries, I have no doubt that we would consider doing the same oh, thing. Oh sure, because absolutely. Because you're yeah. so Agreed. your your children are your most important thing on this earth, right? You, your, but your you would do it with the, you would do it with the knowledge of there are repercussions for this decision, right? And but, one of those possible repercussions say, is separation from my family. But one of the things that's challenging about this is that there are claims, and who knows, again, this is challenging because we're not there. There are claims that families are trying to do it the right way, and they're not able because the U.S. is, is actually curtailing entry through you know, refugee status you know, more so than they normally would. Well, it's because, it's been abu- because refugee status has been abused is, is what's alleged, is part of what's alleged. Right. But now the people who really need it, do we need to think deeper about this? I mean, we have no problem holding rallies all over the country for making America great again. Can we maybe take some of that energy and some of those hours and the time and the money pouring into that and maybe think, okay, what what do we need to do to figure out how to help these people who desperately need it again? And and I'm I'm discouraged to see a lot of people talking about. First of all, I get discouraged when I hear people acting like the Bible justifies opening the borders up and letting everybody you know, flee over them. Right. But I also get discouraged when I hear everybody dismissing, and you're not doing this, but dismissing all these people as just illegals who just want to cop the fence and come over here. It's like, well, no, there are, there is more going on here and we don't have all the details of it. Right. But the, the idea of after like watching trauma that has forced your family to feel the need to leave because of the violence yeah. to then separate a two year old from their parent. I mean, come on, there, there are other ways to do it. I just don't, you're in a foreign country. I mean, think and about this. I, you're in a country I, you've never there may, been to. There may be other ways to do it. I don't know what those other ways are. Have you heard? I don't know. Have you heard an explanation of what those other ways would be? 
I mean, if they're housing all these people in different warehouses and old Walmart buildings, why why can't you do, have the families be together? I don't know why well, that can't the kid, happen. Because the kids while, are because the kids aren't treated the as kids criminals. Are not, right. I mean, the right. the adults are treated as adult criminals, right or wrong. And maybe the the fact is, and and one thing that President Trump has said that's at least partially correct is, listen, Democrats and Republicans alike, if you don't like this process, then change the law. Right. I mean, there is right. prosecutorial, prosecutorial discretion, and that's part of what he has he has said. You know what? We're not going to be as discretionary in this. We're going to be more blanket on this, and that's his that's his prerogative. And that's one place where you could have a discussion. But listen, if you're a law and order guy, this is not me carrying Donald Trump's water. If you're a law and order guy, then you're going to enforce law and order. And and people can and say, I well, usually what about am the... fine with that. I usually like that, but I have a soft spot spot for. Yeah. People no, and, and I and I zones. and I get that, but if you're somebody who's a law and order guy, and we take down and we prosecute criminals, let's not throw all of the blame on President Trump. Let's also look at the people who created the laws. If the law is, if this is the law, and that's what has been created, Congress has an obligation to change it if they want it changed, not to tell the president don't enforce it. Right? I mean, is that a fair? Thing. Yeah, it's, and I'm not blaming Trump for all of this, but I do think we need a solution to it, and I would hope that he could lead the way to making that. I mean, it seems like they have decided. And and by the way, it, adding insult to injury is Jeff Sessions pulling out Romans 13 oh, to justify was, this. That is that, that was, is that incredibly just, well, problematic. It was, just, it was weird. I didn't I didn't understand that. Are there? I'm sure there are scriptures you can there are scriptures you can pull out to back up anything, right? But I don't think that. Romans or any of the letters of Paul who who wrote a lot of those things that he wrote about respecting authority while he was in prison under Nero. I mean, you know, he had an, a unique view on the on on what authority is. But yeah, you know, Sessions pulled it out Romans 13 13. What one you want to read some of that? Yeah, so what he was referring to when you when you start Romans 13, verse one, it, it's submission to governing authorities. And it reads, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves for rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong, do not uh, or do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. And we could stop there, but can I just make a point about this? Because, I mean, this has been used to justify slavery in the past. It's been used to justify a lot of things. Conservatives, and I am one, by the way, who <laughs> who tend to dislike a lot of things in the government that the government is doing, suddenly are using this verse. I mean, we could use this for anything, marijuana, yeah. for gay marriage, for anything. You, know, you can go down the line. The bakers, they should have to make the cakes because they have to submit to the governing authorities, right? right? Now, I have different... I could explain the other side of that, too, but... Which is the breaking of moral just, conscious, it, conscience. Right. At some point... And, and by the way, I think people do... If you feel that this is immoral, what is happening at the border with the separation of kids, then you could make that argument, right. too, that at some sure. point, the government breaks with what is moral and is forcing you to violate your conscience and that is and that this would no longer apply in that case right and and what what's what annoys me is that that as you pointed out that there are conservatives who would use this 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 passage to say that well this is calling for a stronger government and it's not this isn't written to governing authorities this letter is written to christians 
this chapter 13 is written to this portion it's, it's written to Christians and the other things that Paul writes about about submitting to authority and the, every authority that is is in place is one that God has ordained those that is not a message to authority figures to be bad authority figures or to be more authoritarian or to be to justify their existence those letters are written to Christians and for Christians to understand this is how you are to act as a Christian under authority you will respect authority whatever authority you are under you will respect them and you will honor them and you will do what you are told as long as it doesn't violate God's commands period right right and i think that is you know there are people who believe that very strongly that the separation of kids not in I also think there are people who are using this to try to manipulate people into opening the borders up too. I mean, oh, sure. This is the other, you know, this is the problem. We don't live, people are not willing to live in a gray world. It has to be black or white all the time. And the manipulation of circumstances and situations to suit political needs, I think has gotten, it just hit kind of a fever pitch and it's just gross. Like just think through both sides and figure out where you stand. But you have to realize, I actually think this is a really complicated issue. Yeah. This whole immigration thing on the border. I don't think yeah. I I don't think I'm not coming down here and saying this is totally immoral. The government's wrong because I, I see why they're doing it. But I think the separation piece is what's wrong, not the other elements of it. Yeah. And I would I would also suggest that a lot of the things that we have seen on television and in the newspaper, a lot of it's blown out of proportion. A lot about uh, how these treat these kids are treated, where they're kept. You know, the Washington Post did a really good write up and it was really fair about that that Walmart warehouse, if you saw that, that was a really good ride. It was yes. very fair about how the kids are processed. That these kids are educated, educated. They have their own place to live. You know, they're taking on educational trips. All this kind of there's. It's not like they're being mistreated. They're actually treated very well and and fed well and given a warm, comfortable place to sleep. That doesn't make that doesn't make the separation doesn't mean that doesn't mean the separation is good or or bad. It just means that as they are in the care of that someone has taken care of them and they're not being abused and neglected. And that was a really good piece by the post. But most of the coverage has been just about how terrible it is to separate the children from the parents. And that's a legitimate argument to have, but understand it's not an argument in a vacuum. There are things around this. There are things surrounding this that are important to understand. So I don't know. Well, and I think again, we, we need to have <laughs> protected borders and, you know, we need to make sure that we, this is not an either or thing. And it's insane to me that we can't find a solution <clears throat> to any of these things. I mean, we keep talking about these issues that keep popping up. And yet, why why are we so dysfunctional that we have? It's all about just shooting down the other side, making the other side look bad, using whatever's happening to make us look good. And it's just not that doesn't solve problems. Right. And it's especially not helpful to grab Bible verses and apply them that, that's lazy and it's yeah. a dangerous way to operate and by the way I, well i won't go there go i'll ahead. stop go there go do it i don't know what you're gonna say but no, go ahead i and do just it. well i mean nothing related some rant i'm gonna go on but i just when i look at what is happening with the pro-trump anti-trump and this goes back to the days of the campaign when you and i when you yeah. were very wrong saying trump would never win and i somehow was right for once in my life um you know talking about how people were reacting those reactions have intensified in some ways. I mean, there are people who will never, ever see anything that Trump does as good, ever. And yeah. they've made a career out of ranting about it, talking about it, tweeting about it, Facebooking about it, hiring airplanes to fly streamers with messages about how awful Trump is all around the country. And on the flip side, 
There are people who love Trump. He can never do anything wrong. The minute you bring up any sort of critique, you're an evil rhino or yeah. you're, I don't even know, whatever name they want to call you. Um, and meanwhile, like at the end of the day, and I think this is important, and this is coming from my pastor who just did a great sermon a couple weeks ago on this, this notion of like nationalism and the obsession with our country and government and politics, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a Christian, none of those things should be coming before you being a Christian. And right. I think we're all guilty of this at moments. We, we make, we put politics first. We put our love of Trump or our dislike of Trump first. And we just forget uh, not only our, you know, quote unquote humanity, but we forget to really focus on the truth. And then so we, I'm done and, ranting. and then we wonder why the, the church in America is shrinking. Right. Right. Yeah. That, well, I wish, I wish, you know, people would wake up to that because it's just not, it's not healthy. And the rest of the world is looking at us and they're like, wow, those, they're not thinking that Christian, they're thinking that Republican, that conservative, right. like, no, we should be operating based on, you know, our faith first and love the flag and respect it and all that. But I mean, imagine if everybody was as worked up about the lack of church attendance and the decrease or the increase in secularization as they were about people kneeling during the play or during yeah. the, uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, anthem. I mean, it's just, uh, and I agree. Well, over. you know, you have a, there's a piece going up, a piece that you wrote um, that's going to go up on the Blaze on on Monday. It was about it was uh, Christine Kane, is that her name? Yes, yes, right. She's and she was talking about you know truth and love and telling people the truth and love and that that love's a key component of this. You have to actually love people, right? You, they're not going to listen to what you say if you don't act like you love them. You know, right. old, the old Christian comedian Mike Warnke said, listen, I always get worried when people tell me, tell me they're going to tell me something in love, right? He says, I figure if the next thing a person's going to do is love me, if they do it, I'll know that they did it. They did it. And if they, don't know, if they don't do it, I'll know that they didn't, right? I mean, it's like, you got you to gotta actually love people if you, want, if you want the word to get through to them. If you want to be able to speak into their lives, right. you know, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to tell the truth, but you have to even more importantly be loving and if, if you're and not you loving, they're not going to listen truth. to the truth. And you can't sacrifice the no. truth. All these churches that are sacrificing the truth, they've just become awkward social clubs. And it's it's pointless because they're not, you know, you're leading people astray when you're not, when you're so afraid, oh, the culture doesn't like it. The Yeah, like, wake up. I've been living in New York for 15 years. Trust me, the culture doesn't like it. Right. Move on. Right. You got to, you got to, you got to survive. And honestly, and I think Christine Kane, you know, not to spoil it, it's, it'll be worth listening to that podcast and, and reading it but you know she also talked about growing up in australia where things were already way right. more secular and how that was actually beneficial to her as a christian right. and so and i won't tell you why i'll let her explain that but but you know these all of these things i think we need to have less panic too and i am yeah. i've been guilty of panicking in the past like where are we going what's happening and the culture is falling apart it is falling apart and that should concern us not because it's hurting us in some way it should concern us for our kids but it should really concern us because there are people Fewer people are then hearing the truth when the truth is being sort of eviscerated in all these areas. So yeah. that's a call to action for us, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, absolutely. All of us. So all I right. don't know. I mean, everyone's so stupid. Everybody's and also, stupid. is calling somebody a libtard, is that showing love? I just wanted to ask you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, both sides with these names, it's like people. Listen, like, I don't mind I don't mind if people use libtard or conservatard or whatever. I mean... I don't listen. I don't. I just simply don't get. I, I don't get offended. Period. But no, I, but it's dumb. I don't. If get you're, if you're saying if you're saying it to be cruel, then no, it's not. Like, if if you're saying it because you're joking around, 
if you have a relationship or if you're or if you've got a goofy stupid show like we do where, where i go oh you know you know lindsey graham is such a dummy right i don't really think lindsey graham's a dummy well maybe i do i don't I, maybe it's a bad example but you know saying on a stupid show like this where we're just goofing around and busting each other's chops and busting other people's chops that's one th- that's one thing but if you're going if you're just being nasty and mean and cruel then you're just wasting your time and wasting your breath and if you're going to call yourself a christian take the label off would you i mean cuz you that's not how a christian acts Nope. Who are you to tell me how it's, to a Christian acts? I'm not telling you how a Christian acts. I'm I'm I'm, I'm just kind of quoting scripture because I, by your fruits you will know them. Period. So I'm yawning. All right. Do we need to? Awkward, you know, go ahead. Well, I think we should have a quick conversation before I go to sleep because it's okay, like well, one in the morning. You said we have an interview. Do we have an interview, or are we going to save that interview? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Should we awkward yeah, we transition do. to the interview? We'll set that up. We'll play that. and We'll come back, and I want to talk about North Korea after the interview. Of course you do. Okay, so let's awkward transition. Oh, I, I moved the button. Uh, y- young junior broadcasters out there, this is called professionalism. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and speak to you as I... Now, you can't see me on video, but I'm going through my touch screen. He's here. waddling over to the soundboard I've right now. I've got my soundboard here. I'm switching from screen to screen here as I, as I do this, and I very professionally... I'm speaking to you as I find the correct screen that's got the sound effects on it that I want to use. And, and now we're going to go ahead and have that awkward transition to whatever interview that Billy is, claims to have. Okay, you're, so, you're such a disaster, as Trump would say. Um, so this is actually an interview with Brett Yunker of Passion. And for those of you who are familiar with Louis Giglio and his big conference that he does every year, he gets like, I think there were 32,000 students this year who came together and these are young people i think between the ages of like 18 and 25 or 18 and 30 32,000 from 700 universities in 35 countries they went to three different arenas in atlanta and then also washington dc and it's just a big worship festival it's crazy um and they do some really cool stuff every year like big charity you know projects where these young people these young evangelicals are just like pouring themselves into charity work and worshiping and so Brett Yunker is part of the music group Passion, which is part of that conference. And I sat down with him to talk about millennials and faith and also just what he's observing right now in culture, all the things that we're sort of talking about, some of those problems, how that's manifesting itself with young people. So with that said, we'll roll it. Hey, Brett, how you doing today? Hey, Billy, what's happening? We're doing good. So I am, um, I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I have been a fan of passion and I've actually never had a chance to come to passion, which I know, I know I'm every year. I'm like, I gotta get out there because you know, I spent, I've spent the last, you know, six, seven years covering faith and culture and a little bit of politics, but in the faith realm, all we've heard is about how millennials and now generation Z and just culture in general, how Christianity is dying allegedly and all these other other, all these other headlines based on research and data. Um, but then what I love about Passion is you have tens of thousands of young people coming together to worship, and it's it's one of those reminders that there is a huge subset of people, young people and adults in this country, who are very devoted, who, you know, are, and, there, and there's a growing number of them. So I wanted to right. just kind of start there. Based on the critiques of what you hear about young people, how does that measure up to what you see when you're actually at Passion performing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we know and read all those same statistics, and they're super helpful. 
you know, I, I do think one of the most interesting things, you know, passion has been gathering 18 to 25 year olds for over 21 years. You know, this was the vision that was put in our pastor, Louis Giglio and his wife, Shelly's heart um, years and years ago was just to gather this age range because, you know, the university age, it's the crossroads of life. It's when you really make your dis- your decisions to say, this is what my life is going to be about. And so passion has always existed to hold up this compelling picture of who Jesus is, the glory and the grace of God, and to put that in the conversation and to say, if you want your life to be significant and if you want your life to matter, then surrender your life to Jesus and and center your life around Jesus and your life will count for what matters most. And what we've seen over the years is, is just that that, that is... Um, Sorry, I, I thought I lost you for a second. Um, no problem. Uh, what we've seen over the what we've seen over the years is that um, this is what is it was moving the hearts of young people. And yeah, we we do know that people are being turned off by um, religion and some other things like that. But you know, the scripture is really clear from generation to generation. You know, the name of, of God is gonna is gonna go on and go forth, and nothing's really ever gonna stop that. And so we just continue to lean into that and to be faithful. And we've seen God do amazing things. Well, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting about what you just said is I definitely think you know not to make light of when I said before you know there's growing numbers. It's true there are, there are. I think the the issue is that you have and not to preach because you probably already think this or know it and maybe not. Maybe you'll disagree, which is fine too. But you know we we kind of have this cultural situation where you're talking about university students, like the age of people who are either going into college, in college, or they've just left college and they're starting their lives. And we know for a fact that you know college is media, universities, um, and also Hollywood, these are areas where there's a lot of content that sort of runs counter to the Christian message. And so I think it's important, and it's essential, and I love the fact that you guys are there actually helping this group, giving them a worship experience, giving them vital information, having these amazing conferences. Oh, yeah. It's it's powerful. And I think you know we, it's a reminder that we have to work in a world that is changing and that has become maybe more secular, at least here in America, that we need to, you know, work harder and reach young people and do those things. Because what you said is true. We're, we're not going to, the gospel's not going away in light of right. those challenges. <laughs> exactly. Well, and this is the power of gatherings, you know. Um, sometimes people can look at big gatherings and, and you might have different different ideas or thoughts about it. But what we've seen, it's, it's this effect that, you know, when you're, when you, to call all of these college students into one place, you know, many college students, they might feel as if they're the only person who loves Jesus on their campus. And, you know, there's many students who come year after year who they don't even know God, but they're seeking and they're searching and they find Jesus at passion. Um, but, but when you feel like you're the only one who knows and loves Jesus and is wanting to live for him and follow him and you walk into an arena or you walk into an, a stadium filled with like-minded uh, people in a world right now that is so isolated, even though we're so connected, we're, we feel very alone, we feel very isolated. And so to be in the same space, breathing the same air, opening up the word of God and worshiping together, these are defining moments for people. And that's, we believe in these kinds of moments. And that's why we've kind of devoted our lives to help create this space for, for college students. Well, I love that. And, and I wanted to ask you, cause these events happen, they happen once a year, right? That's right. Yep. Now, so when you when passion has happened, and how how many years have you actually been involved? 
So I've been involved ever since I was a college student. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I first kind of got around the teachings of Louis Giglio. Uh, when I was a high school student, he used to teach at a Bible study in Atlanta here uh, called 722. And I never heard anyone talk about Jesus the way Louis did. And the worship, I'd never experienced anything quite like it. And, you know, um, there was just when Louis spoke, it's like I knew that this guy walked with God and he spent time with Jesus and I wanted whatever he had. And, um, and so that's kind of how I found out about the passion movement and the passion conference. And so, um, I love the music, obviously it's kind of one of the first things that, that kind of drew me to this thing, but then getting underneath that to, to realize that passion is actually, there's a, a really great theology that's kind of driving what we do. And that's the idea that God is about his glory and, you know, everything that we're doing, missions, church, all these things exist because worship doesn't exist in the world, that people's hearts are darkened uh, to the to the gospel and they're not, their spirits aren't alive yet. And so, so what passion did for me is it kind of helped frame my life in a way to say, I want my life to matter and I want my life to count and I want my life to be about the glory of God. And so um, if that's what God is about, then that's what I want to be about as well. So um, so that's kind of how I, I first started coming to the conference and started reframing. And that just put my life on a path to going, I would just want to be used by God. And so I started, I got involved in ministry and church and all these things. And, um, and then kind of over the years, uh, Passion City Church got started over, you know, the course of those years, probably about nine years ago. And, um, and it was just amazing. It was in my hometown here in Atlanta and me and my wife, Ansley, we loved what God was doing and just wanted to be a part of it in any way possible. And then just, just as time's gone on now, just have gotten really involved in the music side of what happens with passion and, and help with the songwriting and just the church building and all of that. So that's phenomenal that you got involved as a college student and, you know, and are still now in obviously heavily involved helping lead worship. And you guys have a new album that came out uh, this year. It's called whole hearts. Tell me a little bit about that album and the process and how, as a worship band, how you guys, you know, sort of pour that into an album, what that process is. Yes. Um, so every year at the conference, we, we try and capture what God is doing and, uh, and what he's doing among this group of college students, like this year in 2018. And um, man, it's just so beautiful how God brings all the right songs um, to be this expression of what he's doing. And, you know, like I said before, we open up the word of God and we hear what God has to say. And that begins to change us. You know, when you open yourself up to the word and you open your heart up, like he's going to transform and change you. And so then we believe that God gave us these songs. And, um, you know, in this group of songs, there's one song called God, you're so good. And it, we actually took this old, um, uh, this old chorus that you might've heard in like the vacation Bible school growing up in youth group or something there's simple chorus just saying god you're so good you're so good to me and we try to come around that song in a way that what expresses the goodness of god most we believe is the passion we love to sing about the cross this is the fullest expression of god's towards and his love and this is what we can transform and change our lives and um and really set us free and so there's songs like that there's songs um of praise there's songs of surrender 
what I love about this record is that it really just captures what God is doing in this generation right now. I love that. And I, and I love that you guys pour yourselves into music that will really meet the young people where they are that year, right? Like, I, I think that's really powerful. And I know that there's so much that comes out of the conferences. Obviously, there's a lot that the students themselves and the young people themselves are getting from you guys and from the speakers. And there's always really fun surprise, you know, speakers and celebrities and people who show up. Uh, but then there's also a lot that happens in the community. There's there's always a really fascinating, I call it a sort of a goodwill project, something that yeah. you guys do when you encourage the young people people to do, whether that's sponsoring kids or whatever. And I, and I, I think that aspect of it is fascinating too, because it's not just an event you show up at and then leave and feel good about yourself. You actually are doing something at that event that has the lasting impact. That's right. Well, we believe, um, worship and justice are just two sides of the same coin. And anytime where you see God touch down into people's lives, there's always some kind of sending that happens. And so, you know, we believe in the songs, we believe in these musical moments that God is working powerfully, but it's not just about a song and it's not just about a gathering, but it's also about a scattering and ascending. And so one way that we, we do express that is through some kind of mission or some kind of justice. And uh, recently we've partnered with Compassion for Make History Together. And over the last little while, we've uh, last two years, we've sponsored around 11,000 kids and, um, and then also uh, we've we've been a part of things like the End It movement, where we've uh, really raised the banner of awareness for modern day slavery. And if you think about in the last five years, um, that's really come to the top of the conversation. Um, whereas five years ago, nobody really even knew that slavery existed, even in the United States. And so um, we've seen legislation get passed. We've seen um, uh, we've seen companies, airline companies, train their employees employees to be able to spot this. And so it's pretty awesome to see the work that's happened um, just even in the last five years through the end of movement. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And, and I think, you know, I had no idea years ago before I started covering it that, you know, trafficking happened here in the U.S. I always assumed right. it was something that happened abroad. And then to hear you know figures like 300,000 Americans being trafficked and all that, it was just shocking to me. And the fact that you guys have championed all of those, you know, efforts to try to help in these areas, I think it just leaves young people and it just leaves everybody with that message of we've got to actually do something we can't just be laying back and not taking part as christians and so the final question that i have for you and then i'll give you a chance if you want to address anything we haven't maybe talked about but um yeah. is and this is sort of a loaded question so i'll just i'll throw it out there and you might maybe you don't have a moment maybe you have more than one but i'm always curious at these sorts of events like in all the years that you've been involved what is the most memorable moment or incident or instance at a passion that you can recall? Man, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's so hard because they're all so significant because God is in them and he's working in, in my life and in, in so many people's lives. These are, these are holy moments of passion. Um, you know, I, there's two moments I think for me, I'll just speak to this last year's passion. Um, uh, well, actually, no, I'll give you one of my personal journey and then I'll give you one from this this year. But, you know, my one of my first gatherings of passion, um, you know, you hear Louie talk about the glory of God and and, and where it's 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 less of us and, and more of God. And and uh, 
Charlie Hall was leading this song called Sweep Me Away. And I had never felt so um, wrapped up in the presence of God. And, and, and it was it was I was experiencing uh, this this wonder and this glory of God with all these people. Yet I felt like it was just me and Jesus in the room all at the same time. And and for me personally, as like an 18 year old, this was like so defining for me. You know, I think some similar things happened even this last year. You know, um, Louis was preaching about he this year about how you know the spirit of God is on a mission to spread the gospel around around the world. And then you know the next day, Priscilla Shire comes up and she preaches, and um, man, what she shared just a, about God empowering His people uh, to live for Him, to live these holy lives. When we got down, we sang this song called More Like Jesus, and it's really just a simple prayer that says, God, I'm surrendering my life to you, and I'm asking, would you help change and transform me? Because isn't this amazing about God's love, that it meets us right where we are, but it doesn't leave us there. You know, that that God is 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 molding us and shaping us and transforming us into the best version of who He made us to be, and ultimately that's into to be conformed to the image of his son. And so, um, man, it was just this, this moment kind of similar to what I experienced when I was 18, uh, but experiencing it all over again, personally, as a 34 year old, who's married with three kids now, um, you know, but, and then to be in an arena full of people that God is personally touching us, um, and transforming us, but to, to experience that now with a whole generation at the same time, it's pretty powerful. Well, Brett, this has been amazing. Uh, any any final thoughts? Anything maybe we haven't discussed that you'd want to drive home about the album, about the work that you guys are doing, or about passion? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think our heart is that that Jesus would awaken the hearts of people all over the country, and um, you know, we live in such a, a an amazing nation where um, people do know about Jesus and they have access. But what we, we hope really is that the eyes of your heart would be opened up um, to see that there is a great God in heaven and that he is high above it all and that he is ruling and reigning on a throne. But that same God who spoke everything into existence knows every single one of us and um, that he sent Jesus for us and that we hope that dead people come to life. And and really, when you, if, if you were to hear this music, if you were to, to get this music, that um, that God would touch you that you would experience the the power and the presence of God and that you would be changed and that you would be transformed. And that we know that when that happens, you know, wherever you are, if you're listening to this in a podcast, if you're reading an article, wherever you are, that, um, that God would use you to transform your sphere of influence, that you would be, um, an arrow for the glory of God, wherever you are. And so, yeah, we hope this, the music, the messages, all the things that come out of passion would somehow fuel the work of God uh, that's going on all over America and really all over the world. Well, Brett, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Thank you for having me. Back to the church boys. All right, Billy. Let's let's take a few minutes here before we uh, before you turn into a pumpkin. Um. Which would be simply you turning orange because you've got the other parts going for you. Turning uh, Trump, you mean? God, what is this? <laughs> this whole thing is your fault. 
All of it. It's North all Korea your fault. Trump. No, everything. All of this, everything Trumpy related is your fault. Your boy Trump is just Trump really boy just Trump. something. Um, boy, it's, there are so many things that we could bring up, but we do need to talk about this North Korea thing. And we yeah. have we oh, have yeah. perhaps diverging takes on it. What is your take? Billy, about the whole Kim Jong-un, North Korea, nuclear disaster nonsense. Uh, well, okay. I My hope, and I'm, I, I am fully aware that this is going to be a total disaster, that nothing good comes from it, or we start to ignore possible threats because we're hoping that they're acting on the goodwill they've promised. But my hope is that we've made some progress. At the very least, the president has been able to do something that no one else has been able to do in decades, and that is Which actually is sit down with give the concession, maniac. That, is, give concessions to North Korea and sit down with a tyrant and give him everything he wanted, something that every president for the last, including and under his father, denied North Korea was an audience with the president of the United States. Is that what you're saying he gave him? I think here's the deal. There's no winning this for Trump, right? We have we have a country that is an international menace. I mostly just wanted to wearing... give you a hard time because I do think that there's something. I do think that there is something good about meeting with him because before before he was a nuclear power, I'd say no, you don't meet with him, right? But now that he's a nuclear power and we're past some certain stages, there's right. some, there's something to be said for meeting with him. I I get that. I do think that it was a win for Kim Jong Un. But whatever. Well, I don't know if I, yeah, it might be a little bit of a win for him. My theory has been that he is a little bit desperate. I know everyone else thinks he's, I, I think that what we've seen repeatedly in the past has been hostile behavior, nasty, insane statements, threats to the U.S. And what we've started to see in the last couple of months is an attempt to reach out to the South. Um, feeling isolated. I, I think there's a sense that Trump is erratic and crazy and all that might be true, but I think there's been strategy in how he has dealt with North Korea. He has made them feel a little bit isolated. That is my sense. I could be wrong. They have reached out to the South. Even before this meeting happened, that insane letter that Trump sent about how his much bigger nukes would you know potentially be used, yeah. A, it was hilarious, but B, you know, I think that would have been a deal breaker in a lot of other circumstances yeah. for North Korea to and it wasn't. I think and I think there is a level of desperation there. We we know that inside North Korea it's not a good situation. We know that people always, are dying that But it's always a, been not a good situation there. Right, but I'm wondering if it's hitting a fever pitch. I don't know. I mean, how much worse has it been? I you don't you don't even if it's a win for him, you don't engage in a meeting like this unless you feel like you need to in some way. I, is he being but diabolical? Been, well, and, maybe, but see I the North know. Koreans have sought this kind of a meeting for decades. That's what he and his father both they, wanted, and every president of the United States denied them that until now. Yeah, well, listen, he's he that's talked not, somewhat that's not, of a good. That's not saying that it was a bad necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't think it was bad. What, I don't think that's it was bad what, to me. That's what I think. Kim, both Kim and his father, the other Kim, that's what they wanted, right? They got a he got a, he got a win in this. That doesn't mean we got a loss, but this is what Kim wanted. I don't know what he's been we seeking got. this out. I don't out. know what we got. I, I want to be positive and I want to hope. I'm not being, you know. I'm hopeful. I'm not entering. But I'm not hopeful. Yeah. I, I hope that it works. I know you're I'm, not. Not, I'm not optimistic at all. At all. Because I, I know what North Korea is. That was weird. 
you know, yes. And I, and it might be a disaster. I think the meeting was good to try. I think we've tried everything else. Nothing else has worked. We just haven't tried war. So the two things we haven't tried was a meeting or going to war. There's, there's more than that because there's also the Chinese pressure issue because listen, North Korea is never going to give up their nukes. That's what I believe. Do I hope that I'm wrong? I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I'm really on the John Bolton train on this. And that is at least where John Bolton has been historically. I don't know exactly where he is now, but every report I've read is that John Bolton has not changed his views on this whole North Korea thing. And that is that North Korea is a bad actor. North Korea has nuclear weapons and has no intention of getting rid of their nuclear weapons. North Korea is a friend of the Syrians, and North Korea is a friend of the Iranians. Iranian scientists were in North Korea for the nuclear tests. North Korean scientists were in Iran getting nuclear technology and education. The Syrians are buddies with, with obviously with the Russians, but the Syrians are buddies with the North Koreans. The Iranians are buddies with the North Koreans. In fact, the Iranians and the Syrians, the, the Iranians and the North Koreans have a mutual defense treaty. The Syrians wanted nuclear technology in Syria. In 2007, Israel destroyed a nuclear facility in Syria that was being built covertly by the North Koreans. North Korea has no desire to give up their nuclear weapons. If North Korea, if the if no. the if the North if the nuclear weapons in North Korea leave North Korea, they will do it in one of in one of two ways. They will either be being fired as somebody who's an ally of ours, or they will be in the in the Middle East, whether Syria or Iran, in the hands of terrorists. That's what's going to happen with those nuclear weapons. They are not going to give them up and dismantle them. Well, Period. Listen, listen. Who knows what's going to happen? You may be very I well do. right, but you may be wrong. You no, may I be wrong because I, if I recall, an orange man running for president would never win. I know. I know. So okay. So you no. I I think your theories are probably correct, but but I want to be hopeful, and I want to give some credit here that this meeting actually did happen. It was orchestrated, right. yeah. and even after sending an insane letter about using larger nukes, I know they still were willing I to know. meet and. Listen, I don't know who it was a win for. It definitely was a win for North Korea to, to some degree. I think Trump's weird dancing afterward on the line of not calling so him out, okay, so I want, Kim Jong Un out, it's weird. Here's what I want you to react to. Uh, first, well, not first. At the end of this, we're going to have our bet. Whatever the bet is that you want to set up, I'm willing to have a bet with you about something. You wanted to have a bet, another steak dinner bet. That I'm, you want to go double or nothing, and that's fine. We'll determine the bet here in a little bit. But I want you to react to this piece of audio um, right here. This happened Friday morning. I can make a play. Are we close to seeing uh, Mr. Kim here at the White House? Uh, could happen. I mean, they talked yeah, about that yesterday. I would, with I would the have White him. Campaign. Yeah, I think it's something that could happen. Yeah. Hey, he's the head of a country and i mean he is the strong head mm -hmm. don't let anyone think anything different right. he speaks and his people sit up at attention i want my people to do the right. same well your reaction you know so this is obviously everyone's like calling him a dictator he wants to be a dictator i i think that trump just he's like the joe biden he's like a crazier joe biden he just says whatever is on his mind right yeah. um my sense of this is that it was a very stupid thing to say. It was yeah. not very intelligent. But I will give him the grace in that my assumption is not that he wants to be a dictator here. It's that 
he is minimizing, which is wrong, very wrong, first right. of all, why people are listening to Kim Jong-un. It's not because he's compelling <laughs> right. and cute and nice. He's my wife saw him on TV. He's kind of cute. She's like, if you didn't know he was a maniac, he looks like this nice little cute he man. He does um, not look like a mass murderer. Someone right. who has it's because he's it's who because killed, he's a mass murderer right, who has killed tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. And that's why they listen to him. But but what I think Trump was probably saying stupidly is that he wishes that there was a base of people in the country who were being respectful towards him and and that he had the respect of his countrymen. I'm not saying that that was the right thing to say. I think it was a dumb thing to say. Yeah, I don't. But think I he, think it. I don't think know. he's an authoritarian. I don't. I, I think he's an authoritarian in his own Trumpy way, but not the way of these dictators. But he has repeatedly praised strongmen, right? Putin, Assad, Kim Jong Un, uh, Erdogan in, uh, in Turkey. Uh, who else? There were other other. He's he is frequently and repeatedly Xi in China repeatedly praised strongmen for being strongmen, not just praise them and they happen to be strongmen, but for being strongmen. So, but here's so he was asked about after he did that interview with with Fox and Friends this on Friday morning, he was then asked about it at this press gaggle that happened shortly after that interview. And here's here's his response. He was asked about that when he said, "What would you mean when you said you wished Americans would sit up?" at attention when you spoke. And here's his answer. If I can make it play. What did you mean just now when you said you wished Americans would sit up at attention when you spoke? I'm kidding. You don't understand, sir. Wait, wait, wait. Who are you with? Who are you with? You're with CNN? What did you mean just now when you said you wished Americans would sit up at attention? I'm kidding. Don't you understand, sarcasm? Hey, who are you with? You're with CNN. Hey, you're the worst. You are the worst. I mean, I mean, but like that's what I, and it's a terrible joke. And he's diminishing. But I like, and I wasn't. I, I mean, don't doubt. Joke, he's, but I, I don't. Think, I don't doubt he was being sarcastic. By the way. But it, but it's also like, man, I wish the people here had that respect for me because that joke is based on a probably a deeper seated truth. I, I would agree, also agree with that. So is it stupid to say yes? Do I think it's what the left is making it? No. Um, But this is like, why are we shocked by insane things that Donald Trump says? What we should be shocked by is the diminishing and the not acknowledging publicly of human rights, although we're hearing he did apparently address human rights with Kim Jong-un. Yeah, he says he did bring it up. true. Right, which is is actually a brave thing to do, I I assume. You have to. It it shouldn't be brave. It should be essential. But... We're assuming we're assuming he's telling us the truth because in that meeting where he says he brought it up, there were there were four people, two translators, and then Kim and Trump. So he says he brought it up with Trump with Kim. I don't know if he did or not. You know, I understand why they might not lead with that. There were a lot of critiques saying you have to lead with it. I think the reality is we all know it's happening. We also know this is a reclusive, insane, mentally you know twisted regime, yeah. and your regime you're going to have to get to that place it's not going to happen overnight because the reason these these people are murdered and imprisoned is because he wants to hold on to power so how do you navigate that this may be a total disaster there may be no way to make this better but at least we've tried every you know most alternatives not all of them uh, but a good chunk of them at this point and i'm hopeful i don't know i think that the other and people people want to think that that our only other option outside of this is some sort of is, is invasion and, and nuclear war or war of some kind with I, with North Korea. And I, that's, I don't think that's the case at all. There, like Right now, I see at least four options. One of them is keeping the status quo, maybe at least three, keeping the status quo, 
going to war. And, and another is, well, a, for, a fourth would be increasing sanctions, but then the last one, and that is to pressure China. And pressure China, because China does not, and I, I actually interviewed John Bolton about this years ago. China does not want regime collapse in North Korea. They can't afford regime collapse. But we might be able to get them to help us with regime change. If we can get somebody else in charge in North Korea who's not insane and who will denuclearize, we, there's a shot that we can avoid war, right? But China doesn't want reunification. If the regime collapse, there will ultimately be reunification, I believe, on the Korean Peninsula. And the last thing that China wants is pro-West, pro-Europe, pro-American forces on the east side of the Yalu River, right there across the border, across the river from China. They can't afford that. They they, they don't want it. They they know that it's dangerous. So... Well, they might not have a choice. You never so know. So what's the bet you want to make? I'm going to bet you that something, that there is some positive movement on the North Korea front and that this was what the right we, step. No, so this forward. is far. No, so here's the deal. Billy, all you listeners out there, Billy is a conjurer because this is not what he wanted to bet me on originally. He bet me that this is going to work and that, North Korea is going to actually agree to and actually denuclearize. All right, I'll bet on that. But he's a conjurer. And now he's saying that there's going to be positive movement forward. So he's going to make that bet. I'm going to agree to it. And then I'm going to turn around the, tomorrow and he's going to go, look, there was positive movement here, right? And he'll just make something up. So there has to be something a little bit I mean, more than I, just I there's positive I hope it starts movement. with a wardrobe change. You know, you're talking about regime change. I'm hoping we get Kim Jong-un to do a wardrobe change because that... That would be some positive. That would be something, right wouldn't direction. it? That guy, that haircut. <laughs> there so, were some so, terrible jokes on Twitter <laughs> about it. About it. That I, of course, I tweeted, and I had so many jokes that I wanted to say, uh, uh, but people said them for me, and I was yeah. like, "Gosh, this these outfits. Where does he get these outfits from?" And somebody Hillary? tweeted, "It's the Hillary Clinton collection." <laughs> there were all these great, you know, tweets about it. All right. It. So, what's our bet? Uh, what's our bet on North Korea? The stake thinner bet. What you just what you just outlined that they will denuclearize that they will, um, that that this will be a positive move that will result in what Trump wants it to result in because he's Trump he's my Trumpy he's got to do yes your Trumpy it's really cute how much you love how much you are well what I love about this is if you if people listen to this whole episode I'm yelling about MAGA rallies and <laughs> condemning Trump's policies and then I'm calling him my Trumpy so. It's, you know, bipartisan. My Trump. My Trump. My lovely. My Trump, now, my Trump is in. <laughs> I, oh, dear God. So so the bet is, okay, so it's, it's a steak dinner, double or nothing on the steak dinner. Does it count if... Yeah, am I ever going to get my other steak dinner? Well, so here's the deal. Here's one, here's one of my offers, one of many. You are welcome to come, as you know, and I have extended this invitation many, many times to both you and your lovely wife. You are more than welcome to come out here for if you guys ever want to come have a trip to the West Coast, you can stay with us for free. And I will cook you on our barbecue out on the patio. I will cook you as big a steak as you want, a steak dinner. Or I can buy you one. I don't mind buying you a steak dinner either. That's That would also be fine. But you can decide how you want that. If I get a steak dinner from you, you better not touch my food. You know, As far as I'm concerned, I do not trust you to cook something at all. So I just assume you stayed away from the things I'm about to consume. So, well, so let's let's do this. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I All think right. I'm going to win again. I I don't think that you will because you're in, you're dealing with 
it was different before when you were dealing with one maniac being Trump. But now you're dealing with two maniacs. And I don't think I don't think that you're going to be able to pull this one off. But we, we shall see. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, it has been fun. It has been real. And we're back, baby. So thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for wanting us to come back. And for those of you who are haters and didn't want us to come back, but you listened anyway because you're a sociopath. We're glad you're listening to because really I don't care if you like us or not. The fact is your download counts. See you later. The Church Boys.